So today is obviously Easter Sunday, and it really is the most important day of the year for believers. We look at, you know, all the, all the Christian holidays. Christmas is great, right? Jesus came. Good Friday is great. Jesus died for us. But Easter really is the culmination of God's plan because Jesus rose from the grave. Now, for the past five weeks and on Good Friday, if you've been with us, we've been talking about issues of God's plan. We started with God's plan when we don't understand. Then we moved on to God's plan when we fail. Then we learned that God's plan can be extreme in our lives. Then we found out how to deal with opposition while we're trying to follow God's plan. Then we learned how to respond to God's plan when things are going well. And then on Good Friday, if you remember, we looked at God's plan when things seem hopeless. Now today on this Easter morning, we'll finish our series with God's plan when we see it all come together. Because the resurrection of Jesus reveals the culmination of God's plan of redemption for all people. Now the question we're going to answer this morning is this. What does the resurrection actually reveal? What does it communicate? Or in other words, what does God's plan look like when it all comes together? So the first thing that we're going to deal with is this. The resurrection reveals God's power. Now, everywhere we look, we see God's power. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, Paul tells us that we see God's power in creation. Romans 1, 19 through 20 says it this way. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So basically what this passage is telling us is when we look at creation, we can see the power of God. Now sadly, what has happened is God's power in creation has kind of been hijacked. It's been hijacked by scientific theories. Now, I'm not saying science is evil because it definitely is not. It's actually the observation and the study of things that God created. But where science goes wrong or where people go wrong is when they claim there is no power displayed in creation. When they look at creation and say, oh, this all happened by chance. There's no power behind it. There's no divinity behind it. There's nothing behind it. But this is by chance. Now, to me, this is a head shaker because I believe it takes more faith to believe this all happened by chance than it would to believe that there's an all-powerful creator that actually made what we're seeing. So here's what happens. People buy into that lie and believe that lie. They become so callous instead of seeing God's fingerprints on everything that's created, they just ignore God and ignore that there is any power. In fact, some people become so callous that they won't believe that there is a God even if someone rose from the grave. Now there's an account, and some say this is a parable. Some say it might be a real account, but it's an account from Jesus. He might have been telling a parable, or it might have been a real account that actually happened. We're not sure, but it's Jesus' words, so we know his words are true. And it, 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 it's in Luke 
16, starting in verse 19, it says this. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades being in torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who pass from here to you may not be able to, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent and they will listen. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Now, what's happening here is this is like a foreshadowing event of Christ being risen from the dead, saying that some people are so stubborn and so rejecting of God that even if someone were to come back from the dead, they would doubt or even reject that there is a God. You see, sometimes people become so callous and stubborn that they reject the power of God. And if they witness creation, they say, no, 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 that's not from God. And if they witness a resurrection from the dead, they would say, no, 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 that's not from God. Or that did not happen. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that people would challenge. But we know as believers that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is actually a fact. Now, some might say, well, how could you know that's a fact? Well, I know that's a fact because the scriptures tell us that's a fact. But not only that, in 1 Corinthians, it says over 500 people witnessed the risen Jesus. Now, some might say, well, maybe the Bible just wrote that. And like, you know, somebody wrote that and like just to convince everybody to say like, hey, you know what? This is a fact, 500 people. But think about this. Many of those early followers were actually martyred, killed for their faith in Jesus. So when they were taken aside and said, do you believe in Jesus? If you say yes, I'm going to kill you. Okay, that's basically what was happening. And they said, yes, I saw him risen from the grave. Now think about this. If this was a hoax, who would die for a hoax? Would like scores of people die for a hoax? I don't think so. So the truth is, is when we hear this about these 500 witnesses plus that saw Jesus, they were willing to go to their grave for their faith in Jesus. Obviously, 
there's something deeper. It's not a made-up story, but we as Christians realize that it's fact. You see, only God has the power to raise someone from the dead, and that power is displayed in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, not only do we see God's power in the resurrection, we actually experience God's power through the resurrection. Now, this happened to the early believers, and if you're a believer, you might understand this a little bit better, but in Acts 4.33, it says this, And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Now, this was all the early believers, and it says they were given power through the resurrection. Because of the testimony of the resurrection, they had this power and they had this boldness. Now, the resurrection of Jesus gives us power, and it actually empowers believers because we represent now and tell people about a God who is capable of any miracle. But I realize this. Maybe today you're not seeing or feeling God's power. Maybe you're even doubting God's power in your life. Well, here's what we need to realize. If you're doubting God's power, if you're not seeing God's power, that's when we look to the resurrection. And realize this day represents the power of God. Next, the resurrection reveals God's protection. In John 11, a man named Lazarus dies and his sisters Martha and Mary are there. It picks up in John chapter 11. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Okay, he was sick and he died. And when Jesus came on the scene, this woman says, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. So obviously she was expressing faith. She was realizing the power of Christ. It says this, but even now I know that whatever you ask from the Father, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he shall die, yet he will live. Now, in this account, here's what's happening. We see Jesus talking about protection from the second death. Because when he said to Martha, he said, your brother's going to rise again. She goes, oh, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. I know he's going to heaven. I know that he will live forever in eternity. But what Jesus was actually doing was he was talking about that because we all realize we'll physically die. But he was also talking about spiritual life as well. Now, the scriptures teeth, there's physical death and there's spiritual death. And spiritual death is actually being out of the presence of God. Now, Jesus actually protects us from spiritual death. We all realize we're physically going to die, but spiritually we could live forever in eternity with him. And the scriptures teach us this, that Jesus died to pay the price for our sins. That three days later he rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the scriptures teach us very specifically, all who believe in Jesus will have eternal life. That's why in Revelation 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, second death has no power. Now, Jesus essentially was preaching a message at a funeral. Okay, this was, Lazarus was gone. He was dead. He was in the tomb. Two sisters, friends and family were there. They're all hearing Jesus protects them 
from spiritual death. But here's what Jesus did. He was teaching that to them. He was saying, I'll, I'll protect you from second death. And now, you know, when I teach that, I'm, I'm like teaching you that. And I'm saying, I'm basing it on the scriptures and what Jesus has said. And you're like, okay, well, how do I know that's true? Okay. Well, in this case, Jesus was like, okay, maybe you people are doubting this. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to show you something that's going to actually blow your mind right now. Jesus proves that he has the power to protect them from second death by actually raising Lazarus from physical death. It's almost as if Jesus were saying, hey, in case you were wondering, I have a lot of power here. Okay, I can get the job done. So in John 11, verse 38, it says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Okay, so, you know, this is a very detailed account. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the count of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. So just in case everybody here was doubting, Jesus talks to the Father and said, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing this so everybody else sees where this power is coming from. Verse 43 says, When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, obviously, this is an extreme example. This is an extreme example, but it got the point across. Jesus came back. Jesus basically is saying he can back up his claims. He is able, if he's able to physically raise someone from the dead, of course He's able to spiritually save each one of us. Now, do you believe Jesus can protect you for eternity? Well, I sure hope you do, okay? That's why we're here this morning, okay? That's why we're gathered together, because we believe that Jesus can and will protect us for eternity when we trust in him. Now, finally, the resurrection reveals God's plan. This is what we've been talking about for the last five weeks, right? God's plan. And although we don't know all the details to God's plan for our lives, we do have the big picture. And the big picture, the main plan, is the fact that today happened. Roughly 2,000 years ago, today happened that Jesus rose from the grave to show and prove that he is God that he can protect us for eternity, that he has the power to do these things. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first, uh, first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 
The phrase according to the scriptures is a reference to the Old Testament prophecies which told us what God's plan was going to be. So it shouldn't have been a big surprise when this all happened. This is what this day is all about. God's plan and according to the scriptures, when it all comes together, Christ rising from the grave actually proves he has the power to save us. He can protect us for eternity. Today we celebrate God's plan for our salvation and we see his plan in fullness when we trust in him.